This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 through the fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broadus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Central Monday through Friday on 105 through the fan in Dallas. He is also the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian Cowboys football has returned this weekend. Uh, We get the Los Angeles Rams a noon kick. Uh, DeMarcus Ware going into the ring of honor. All that's great. Uh, I personally hate the noon kicks uh, because uh, as somebody who still does stuff with NFL Network, Brian, I got to be on there like doing hits leading up to the last 10 minutes of a football game. So it's all right. Jane's done talking. Let's get over here and keep shooting. All right. Stop shooting that because we got to put Jane back live on TV. Very stressful, but I'm glad we get football again and we'll preview those Rams here in just a second. Uh, But Brian, are you uh, are you ready to get back to some Cowboys games? Been like a month since we've been at AT AT&T. Yeah, it has been. It's been a while. Uh, They're riding a little bit of a 10 game winning streak now. uh, Mm -hmm. Dallas Cowboys with uh, the home games finally becoming a little bit of a home field advantage where when this place first started out, you were kind of a 500 team. But, uh, you know, that's uh, it's good to be back. I'm a big fan of the noon game, Bobby, because it means I'm done at 6 p.m. So I get that aspect. And, of and it. you know that what? We part. could actually, if you're not too tired, I bet yeah. you we could record a Love of the Star podcast post game reaction. Yeah, well, night. actually, we will be able to do that. And that's the positive. You get done earlier. You'll yeah, be if we had all that. noon games, we could just Monday morning content would just be boom right there for you. Hey, can I say something real quick, yeah. though, too, Bobby? Um, are you going to bring up Tyron Smith and the neck? That yeah, came yeah on the I mean, injury we, we, we can touch on that really quickly. If you can like. I do it he, for you real yeah, quick? Yeah, Tyron Smith showed up on the injury report today. He was limited uh, with a uh, a neck issue. Stinger. Uh, it's a stinger? It's a stinger. And He's dealt with those before. He has dealt with those before, but it's it's sometimes it limits the strength in that area. I was told, keep an eye on this one. You mm-hmm. know, keep an eye. Um, Adoga is healthy. Uh, there were some questions about him uh, going forward and, you know, we saw the injury report from the bye week and all, and everything was. It seemed to be in order. T- had a chance to talk to Zach Martin today. He seems good to go, uh, but keep an eye on Tyron Smith. That is a stinger that he's dealing with right now. Mm. Well, that is uh, that's frustrating just from the perspective of we were just talking uh, two days ago or whatever about yeah. the idea of look, the offensive line is finally going to get to get their snaps together and and yeah. they'll be good. Uh, but now you're looking at potentially some more vulnerabilities there. And one of the ways you can address vulnerabilities and, you know, not necessarily that you need to go address this particular position, but one of the ways you can do it 
is you can do it through the trade market. And it's something that the Cowboys have done in recent years. They go and get Brandon Cooks or Stephon Gilmore or Amari Cooper or, you know, they make those sort of deals. Um, and Jerry Jones uh, actually got a chance to, we already had reacted to what he had to say about the trade deadline on Sean and RJ, but he also approached reporters at practice on Thursday, which is a little oh, he unusual. he seeked you him. guys out. He did, which is unusual. He doesn't do that very often. often nope and so he uh he actually walked up on everybody at practice and decided hey i think i'll start talking a little bit uh and and there's there's a couple of conflicting quotes i think or they appear to be conflicting quotes uh the two most viral quotes that i saw came from john mashota and ed werder uh, too, and yeah. john mashona john mashota's quote from jerry said i don't see anything heated up to a level that would cause something to happen okay that sounds like nothing on on the edge he goes, if we don't do anything at this trade deadline, we've got a team that can uh, get us where we want to go. Okay, fair enough. Ed Werder's quote, we will trade, make no mistake about it. We will make a deal, but it's certainly got a high bar because I like our team. And so a lot of people saw that when, well, okay, that sounds like completely different from what we heard earlier today. I, I think there's a little nuance here. When Jerry says we will trade, make no mistake about it, it's the same, Brian, as if I were to say, uh, I'll have a beer. I will have a beer. Am I? Does that mean I'm going to pick one up and drink it right now? No. But it does mean like, oh, I'll have a beer. You don't have to worry. Like, I'm not limiting myself to never yeah. doing that. But yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean I'll make a trade in the next week. He's saying I will absolutely use the trade market. I'm not afraid. We will do that. We will make trades. But that doesn't necessarily mean I don't think. I think some people saw that quote and thought he meant we will make a trade by Tuesday. Right. Um, but I will say this, Brian. I, I don't know about you. When, when we talked about this a little bit the other day, I do think that there is a little itchiness for Jerry. He's itching to make a move. I, I think he I think he would like to do something. I think he yeah. would, but as he's done a lot in recent years, he's deferring to consensus. And I think that there's probably more of a sense in the the people advising him that they say, maybe we don't need to do this, or we don't need to go, you know. We, we don't have to go seeking anything out. If something's there for us, fine, but we don't have to go seek anything out. But I think Jerry, given the the number of questions he entertained on Tuesday and the fact that Jerry walked up and said, you know what, I would like to talk to the media today on Thursday, knowing that he also has to talk to the media again on Friday and may talk again when, you know, the game is over. Uh, it, it just seems like he's he's seeking out media is interaction. He's chum in the water, you think? He is. He, he knows how to use the media to yeah. his benefit. And so... Brian, I, I throw that over to you just for that's my thought on this right now is that I think Jerry Jones would like to make a move. And I, I just absolutely would love to. I think he would. And I know, by the way, did you guys do a segment on the my observations that I did on Cowboys break? Yes, I heard we did. You, I, we, we played we played your clip because you were a hero to everybody on Reddit for that. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I was just I, I that to me was. I, I worked with a Jerry Jones that was really super aggressive when it came. And we we probably had no business being as aggressive in the early 2000s as we were mm -hmm. when it came to draft picks. But Jerry was trying to do his best. He really was. And I, I, I believe this 100% with my heart. Um, this team is better equipped to go and make a type of a trade for a high premium pick than we were in the early 2000s. And I, I, 
the direction of the team, the people that are involved uh, from a scouting perspective, you know, we, we weren't as, I don't think we were as good as we needed to be back then. You know, now that throughout my life, as I look at scouting and how it's developed, we, we probably didn't help Jerry Jones enough back then with the decisions that were made or giving him the information they need. I think they're better equipped. And I said this, if Jerry Jones wants to stand at the table with his dice in his hand, he's going to get really good advice from a Will McClay and those pro scouts. You know, if he really believes it now, um, I, I think back in the day, it just, you know, we, we, we tried to help him, uh, but probably not good enough. But today, if he wants to go make a move, I think he could do it with complete confidence that, that player is going to come in and make a difference. And I think that's I think that's what's I think that's what's kind of leading him right now. Now, whether Steven wants to make the deal or Mike McCarthy, sometimes coaches fall in love with their team and they don't want you to mess with their team. Yeah. They, you know, don't please don't mess with my team. You know, if you were six and oh right now, you probably wouldn't make it, even though the Eagles are six and one. And that's just Howie's, uh, Roseman's nature, the aggressiveness that he'll he'll trade. I mean, he's got Jeff Lurie's complete backing there for his ability to run the team way he needs to fit. Jerry doesn't have to answer to anybody. No. In, in, in theory, he doesn't. But he also understands that he also works with Steven, and he also works with Will, and he also works with Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And I if Jerry... If, if somebody in that pro department were to come to him and say, and I think the Amari Cooper trade was a good trade. I think, I think they hit it right. I just think that Amari Cooper is a different type of a person, a different type of a player. And I think that, I think they got crossed a little bit. I think that they got crossed. They made some things personal that they probably shouldn't. But I think if you look at the trade overall, I think it was a damn good trade, you know, yeah. for, for that type of a player. Can you do the same thing? Can you, can you, you know, can you uh, find that similar type of player that could come in and make a, a difference? I would trust the pro department here that they would. Maybe what? in 2002, I wouldn't have, even though I was part of that, you know. Is there anybody, we, we, we've talked so much about the idea of giving up capital to bring in a player is there anybody on this roster right now that you would say, I'd be interested to see if I could get draft capital for my player? Anybody on this roster that you go, maybe this isn't like, like, do you call some, do you see if anybody wants to entertain Michael Gallup? Do you see if, hey, are we going to keep Neville Gallimore? Maybe we go see if somebody will give us a late round pick for Neville Gallimore. Um, is there anybody on this what's roster? Your, what's right your intent? Like? What's your intent? What are we looking for here? Are, I think you look, do. You do. Are you need, just? Are you? Lo, are you doing it just to to get a pick? Like, like you, here's here's the thing. I think when or you look somebody at, you're not going to resign. Let, let's look over the last both. Like let's look over the last you know seven years or so. Um, mm -hmm. you've hit on some really big day three picks with uh, Anthony Brown, uh, Tony Pollard, Deron Bland. Bland. Um, I mean, you've had a lot of success with these guys that you've picked on day three, uh, you know, you found some, some real contributors there. And so my thought is, you know, with various trades that you made with, you know, whether it be, you know, the Trey Lance deal, Gilmore, Cooks, you've started to thin out some of your day three depth 
that you have, you know, your day three capital that you've got over the last couple of years. So if you could find a sixth for somebody who you're not necessarily going to resign, um, or maybe if you're really deep at a position, they, they feel really good about their ability to rush the passer, for instance. Yeah. If Gallimore is a guy that you say, I don't know that we're going to sign Gallimore back. Right. Somebody out there may like him. Um, we, we've got a lot of guys here that we can fill the rotation with if he were to go and somebody would give us a late round pick for him. Maybe that's a guy, maybe it is a Gallup. Maybe you say Gallup needs a fresh start. We like him, but he needs a fresh start. And Tolbert is, you know, we, we've already spent third round capital on him. Does somebody want to give us a sixth that could, you know, go to a fifth with certain escalators, playing time or results? So those are just why I, I kind of kick those out. Is there anybody here? Do you, do you want Trey Lance to take up and take that second quarterback job? Do you find somebody See, who says, hey, we'll, we'll get you via man, a sixth for rush? I was wondering if you were going to go there. I really, I was wondering because I'm like, man, Bobby's throwing out some good ideas, but could you know, could Cooper Rush bring you something? Could you go ahead and elevate? But now that the problem I have is Cooper Rush was four and one as a quarterback last year. He, I, I think Cooper Rush, honestly, and people are going to argue with me, and that's okay. You can disagree with me. I, I live with it every day. They'll say the defense was the reason why Cooper Rush won four games. Cooper Rush, if he didn't turn the ball over in the Philadelphia game, they might win that one too. He might be five yeah. and zero. He might be six and zero as a starter. I, I think if you're going to want to go, if you knew more about Trey Lance, if you knew, if you'd seen Trey Lance play, and maybe if you'd seen Trey Lance play in the preseason uh, with you, and you had an idea of what you potentially have, yeah, you would move on. I, I don't think you would move on. I. Right now, I don't think I would move on from Cooper Rush, just because I know it, if if Trey Lance had been here longer and I had an idea of him as a player. Now they watch him at practice every day, but you know it, it's it's like watching guys throw bullpen sessions, or you know you're yeah. or guys throw live batting practice. You know, you know it, it's just you you don't know. You kind of have an idea, but you really don't know. I I'm not. I don't think I'm interested in moving on from some of my defensive pieces mm-hmm. or maybe anybody for that regard, but I'm interested in adding one. I'm interested in, I, I, I want to keep, cause I think Neville Gallimore in his last year, the last hurrah, whatever you want to call it. I think he's, there's times where he's come in there and he's actually, the snaps have been pretty productive, you know? Because, and and, and you know, I will say, I, I do think with, Pretty, pretty, pretty strong certainty. I do think he's this. He will not re- be resigned here. So, no, so, that, and, that, and that's so even true. if he's contributing that's good, for you, he will I, be walking yeah. away. Yeah, and he will be. And I, you know what? I don't think it's worth it to me right now for a sixth round pick. Even I if it means getting Junior Fajoko and Mozzie Smith more work. I don't mind getting Mozzie Smith more work. I, I really don't. I'm. I've completely in my mind. I've redshirted Fahoko and Scott. I've completely okay. and to be if you don't know what the term redshirt means, if you're new to this, it's basically in it's a college term of taking a player and not playing him the entire season so he can get um, stronger, more understanding. It's just a, it's a way of taking someone's eligibility and saying we're going to give them another year to learn the game. Yeah, that's I'm just explaining to you what redshirt means there. So I, I in my mind, I'm I'm not gonna play Scott and I'm not gonna play Fahoko. 
at all. You know, I'm just not, and I'm going to give them the opportunity to get stronger and, and get, uh, learn and learn how to be a pro. But, uh, uh, I would love to see Mozzie Smith get more opportunities me personally, because when you watch the all 22, I think Mozzie Smith is getting the understanding of coming off the football. I think he's, he's, playing, better. he's playing quicker. He's playing better with his hands. He, he is, uh, he's giving really good effort. His body language isn't bad. Uh, He's a physical player. You could see that. There's a lot of positive things about him uh, going forward. I, I know people look at him as a first-round pick, and they're like, he's not productive. He's not like a, a Jalen Carter, the guy at uh, – he's not like the guy at uh, – Philly. You know, at, at Philly, who's, you know, three and a half sacks and you know, completely two different players. Uh, not completely as far as what they do, but where people had them, you know, on the board. You know, Carter was a guy that – people thought might be the first overall pick, you know, or, or one of the, you know, maybe in the top three for sure. And then with the incident happened at Georgia, dropped him down a little bit where the Eagles were able to grab him at 10. So yeah. Uh, trades. Yes. Uh, try and make it work. Jerry Jones. I think he'd like to do that. I just don't know if, if Steven is completely on board or, or Mike McCarthy's completely on board because they fall in love. Coaches fall in love with their teams. You know, they say, no, Jerry, I, I just really don't feel like that, you know, we can, I think we'll be fine. Let's not, you know, let's not, let's not push it here. Let's keep our, but yeah, if you could use a premium pick, a one or a two to go get that player. We use the example, Bobby, of the team that, you know, you and I cover on 105.3 The Fan, you know, the Texas Rangers who are now in the World Series. Yep. Their first time general manager, you know, Chris Young, um, at the trade deadline, even though his team was in first place and, and at the time playing pretty well, uh, he went out and made several trades. He went out and got pitching. And one of the pitchers he got was a uh, Jordan Montgomery, who right now is going to start game two, you know, of the World Series. But he yep. was a guy that through the playoffs was leading in the, in the last couple months of the season. He was a guy you could really lean on. But what did Chris Young do? he saw an opportunity to add a piece to help his team and it got him there. And maybe Jerry Jones is looking at the same thing. Yeah, I think, and I, like I said, I think he, I think he wants a deal like the Trey Lance one where mm -hmm. it's somebody calls me and then now it's my call and, and there's not as much consensus. I know what you guys think. Cause I saw your scouting reports on right. him already. I know what you thought. So I can make this call. And he was very adamant that he made that call on Trey Lance. Um, and so I think that he's inviting that opportunity again, if he can get it, we'll see uh, how the deadline progresses. That'll be Tuesday uh, where hopefully we'll have some answers. You are listening to the love, the star podcast, the love of the stars and odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Ryan, let's take a look at these Los Angeles Rams, the three and four Rams. Uh, would you rather start on the offensive or defensive side of the ball? I will say that was the, the good thing about getting the opportunity to kind of have a week off from uh, the Cowboys was yeah. when the Rams game was on. I was like, oh, this will be great. I can sit here and get a head start on the Rams. I can watch the TV copy of them play the Steelers. 
uh, a game that got away from them. Saw our old friend Brett Maher, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> have it. Man, that guy, I, I feel so bad for him because he is yeah. he is one of the – you want to just talk about natural talents at kicker? He's got so much ability as a kicker to, right. to be a real weapon for you. He just – he needs the best sports psychologist in the country because he will – he will go through some lows, man. But he will, he will go with some lows. No he is question. he is no longer with the Rams. Uh, Brian, let's start on the offensive side of the ball with the Rams. Uh, because I I mean that's what everybody has known them for over the years is is being a really high powered offense. Sean McVay being the uh the king of eleven personnel. Uh that's, that, that's a guy who three receivers, a tight end, and a running back, going back to Really, when the Rams started first having success with him, he has been at the very top. I mean, ninety plus percent for years of eleven personnel. That that's actually the, way that it's he the likes number is ninety three percent right 93 now. Ninety three this year. See again. You want to be technical? Yeah, they're they're a uh, they're a team that, as you mentioned, they're going to get in a lot of eleven personnel, and uh, I, I, the number is ninety three. Um, where they're also one of those teams. That when you when you watch them play, there's like they're the the combinations of the routes that they throw. When you start to talk about in breaking routes and out breaking routes, it's kind of a it's a really a pretty pretty close uh, when it comes to you know you get thirty nine percent of their offense are in breaking routes, and those are the routes that I'm worried about that that you know that. Uh, uh, Gallimore is going to have to face. And when you look at the Gilmore, uh, excuse me, Gilmore. When, yeah. Gilmore. When you, in you, when you look at those routes, those in breaking ones, I think they're really the most talented part of this uh, Rams offense is the wide receivers. When you start to talk about Cooper cup, who's come back from the hamstring injury, uh, you know, uh, Puka Nakua, uh, you know, with what he's been able to do. I mean, he looks like an absolute steal uh, the way that they've got him involved. Brian, then, he has my favorite stat of the NFL this season is that Puka Nakua's career high in receptions at college was 48. He yeah. has 58 catches already yeah, this year. Pretty crazy. But they've also got a guy in Tutu Atwell that's a yeah. pretty good player for them. So they've got three wide receivers that you now have to deal with and then throw in Higby, the tight end, it's it's a group that's going to it's going to stress you out a little bit, and that's where I feel like that you know the Cowboys have got to be ready for you know and, and using these games you play the Rams the first name you talk about is Cooper Cup but it's he's kind of in a mix of guys now, but the the thing about Cooper Cup is he's going to line up in a lot of different spots and they're going to drag him they're going to they're going to uh, they're going to, you know, th- throw the ball to him quick. They're going to throw him out. But it's really, really funny because if you're one of those guys that really believe in analytics or gals that believe in the analytics, it's it's so funny to see that like the majority of his targets come from the slot, but the majority of his receptions come from the outside. So yeah. it's it's kind of a it's kind of a you know they throw the ball to him quite in the quite a bit in the slot. But when you when you when you break it all down, the majority of his receptions are when he plays on the outside. He's more so efficient there. Yeah, more efficient, much more efficient there. But and that's where, uh, like I say, where Nakua, where he's come in, and he's been able to. I mean, this guy gets some serious separation when you watch him run routes. Yeah, he's got quickness. 
Uh, he's got balance. He's got agility. Uh, you know, he's he's one of the best on the Rams roster when it comes to getting separation routes. And the metrics will tell you it's about it's damn near you know four yards of separation. It's like you know three point six if you're going to round up. But you know, you three three point six yards of separation. That's pretty significant, right there. That's a good. That's that presents a good target. Uh, to you know, Matthew Stafford to have to throw to in this game, and Stafford really quickly as, as we start to get in on on that side, I'll fully admit I've never been as big a fan of Stafford as as some other people have. I've always thought that I, I mean he's a good player. I've just I've never thought he was you know top significantly high in the top ten. He, he was, was always on the edge for me. He was, and and I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, Bobby, but when you talked about him on the radio. And you start talking about the top, say, 10 quarterbacks, 12 quarterbacks. It was always like, I remember back in the day, it was Manning, like Eli Manning, Dak, uh, Kirk Cousins, and then Stafford. And then Stafford won the Super Bowl, and it kind of elevated him above, you know, he went from being like the 11th best quarterback to being, you know, the the 8th best quarterback. Stafford, you know, he, yeah, he he's he was, a, all, he was in he was there was a lot of the questions about him at Detroit, the toughness, everything about it was great, the arm talent, great, throwing at different platforms, great, all that stuff. You know, he's just when's he going to win? You know, and then he wins at Super Bowl, and then we all kind of have a different opinion of him as a player going forward. He he's to me the comparison I've always made, which uh, the fans of Stafford hate and think is disrespectful, but I mean it in a complimentary way. Uh, he is a <laughs> He is a more advanced version of Jameis Winston to me. That Ooh. that that's the way that he looks. He's he's. I'd a, hate you too if I was thinking about him. If I was a fan. I mean, Jameis Winston. We all talk about a guy who had incredible arm talent and could do some ridiculous things with ball placement. I think just but made about, off. But but do you throw interceptions? Consistently made like, awful decisions. Yeah, Stafford yeah. makes slightly better decisions, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's he's better with his placement. But I, I think that Jameis Winston was just. A, a few steps of efficiency away from being a really good quarterback. It just it never clicked for him there. So never that's what you get with Stafford. But I will say this. I had thought Stafford was done based on what we saw last year and when you heard some of the stuff. Yeah. I'll say this. He's he's not always been helped out. Um, I mean, I mean the receivers helped. It's been tough at times in terms of the pass protection. But I'll say this is that he looks better right now than I ever would have imagined he was going to look at the beginning of the year. I think he he still has stuff left in the tank. He's still a good player. Yeah, he the thing about the thing about him though is that he last year he had to deal with a concussion and then he also dealt with that spinal cord contusion that knocked him out week 14. That was it. They completely shut him down and then you know he's he's been reasonably healthy. He did suffer a little bit of a hip problem in the week four game against the Colts, mm-hmm. but was able to finish the game. I, I, I'd say the one thing about Matthew Stafford, they're, they're, I, I don't, the, to call roll for the toughest quarterbacks in the league, there ain't a, there ain't a long, long list of guys, but he, he's in that group. You know, when you start talking about this, the, 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 the sheer willingness to play, being banged up and getting hit, he is one of those guys that just keeps coming back for more and more and more. And his tackles, I 
He's he's got, he's right at the top. Of, if you're going to tell when I think tough tough, the toughest quarterbacks in the league, he's one of they're, they're the two guys. I think when I think of the trait toughness at the quarterback yeah. position, well, it's three. When I think of toughness at the quarterback position, three guys come to mind for me. It's Josh Allen, it's Daniel Jones, and it's Stafford. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's completely fair. But you know they've had some problems. We had Demarco Far on today. You know who does the radio for the Rams. And he was talking about like some positivity about the Rams offensive line. I like the guards. The I guard, do like the guards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Avia is, I mean, you know, with Avila, right? Is that how you say that? Avila? Uh, it's Steve Avila. Avila? Avila. Okay. Avila. Yeah. I thought I thought I heard it pronounced Avila. Maybe. I don't know. I just yeah, know I, I know I, it is. I, I know I, it is. I, I, Avila, I, I think is that. La. If you look at it phonetic, it's A H V E. Then let's go Avila. Avila, Avila, like like, like yeah. the old uh, catcher yeah. for the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. Come on, man, don't mess me up. But anyway, you were saying Avila. I didn't mess you. No, up. I didn't say Avila. I said Avila. Is what I said. <laughs> I'm going anyway, to rewind this. Later. The kids from the kids from TCU. He's a local kid. He's a baller. Yeah, and he is Arlington, Texas. So good for him on a homecoming game. But he, I think he's their best player. Now, when it comes to that offensive line. I they, like Dotson. I think Kevin Dotson's a good player. Dotson, Dotson, I think, is good, too. I I mean, they trade for him. He looks like he's got, he's got toughness. He looks like he's got the ability to move. Uh, I, you know, the second level stuff, the scoops, the reach, I think is good. I kind of feel like that you can maybe take advantage of him a little bit. I feel he, like you could take advantage of him some. He can one. at times be a little heavy footed. I, I think that that's, they're yeah. that that that's the, and that's honestly that's the case with uh Avila too. Yeah. That that he's gonna have that same sort of thing. They're both they they've got a little bit of cement shoes going here. But I do think that those guards so often in the NFL these days it feels like we're talking about, hey, you you can they're really vulnerable on the interior yeah. and, and that's yeah. where you can have some success. It's different here where I think the guards are better than their tackles. And and I think yeah. that that's something that they they should be able. I think look both these tackles. I feel like this could be a big day for the Cowboys to execute some inside moves with their rushers. Like yep. if you can kind of set things up, and then you can do that Euro step inside, or you could do yep. you know those inside swims. You well, might that's what the Rams some- are going to do on defense. Get ready for that. They're going to twist you up front. There's a lot oh, of yeah. movement. Yeah, there's a lot of movement from that Ram defensive front. The I didn't- slants the twists. That's the thing. That's those twist games. The Cowboys have had some problems in that twist game. I didn't. I didn't happen to notice it this time. So I, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was doing study, but I didn't notice that this particular aspect of it. But I do remember this: that in 2018, leading up to the Cowboys playing them, they did have an alignment tell that I had noticed when I was studying things, and it was when Donald was in four eye. Every yeah. single time he was in four eye, he was twist. coming on a twist every, every, every single time. Oh, no, they'll line him up wide to move him to keep him from getting the. I, I don't know. In your study, did you see him? He was getting like double and triple team by Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they'll, it was, and they'll it, move him. They will line, they will do they, all yeah. sorts of different. This is, you remember, we're talking about San Francisco. We said they stay in their alignments, they right, don't move. Right. Rams are different. Donald no. is going to be in a yeah. different alignment every single time. But we were talking about the offensive line. I, I do think that Jackson. And then and Alaric then, Jackson, yeah. And yeah, and then Haverstein. I think those guys, that's where I kind of I see DeMarco was talking about he felt like that Jackson was playing well for them at left tackle. 
I did not see that. I didn't. I did not see that either. I, I I think that was one of those. If there was a guy to really take advantage of, the left tackle seemed like the guy. That would be the Cowboys' right defensive end, is what that would be. Yeah. So that uh, there's there's going to be some opportunity to take advantage of things in the pass rush. This is a Rams team, and so Sean McVay, he's not ever really been a huge fan of running the ball, um, and, and they don't do it particularly effective, I, I don't think. This is basically going to be about how well are you going to be able to cover their three receivers and their tight end in the passing game, and Stafford's going to try and beat you with his arm. You've got to beat him to the throw. You've got to be able yeah. to rush him, and I think that's important. Let's quickly take a look at the defense before yeah. we uh, actually pick the game here, Brian. Uh, this is a... a, a you know, surprisingly enough, it's a a pretty solid pass defense unit. Um, I believe yeah, the, they are... the corners are actually pretty good. I think. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and, and jump in on the corners because they have been uh, this year. They've allowed four passing touchdowns. That's yeah. the fewest in the NFL. So they've been really effective at in terms of not allowing teams to score on them via the pass. And they've you know for a lot of the year had a top half of the league pass yeah. defense, which hasn't always been the case for them. They still at times have some trouble, um, you know, with their run defense being efficient in that front. They, they've been gashed at times in mm-hmm. that, you know, they, there's times where you can take advantage of that, but the pass defense has not been bad. Um, no. it, it's something that is, is pretty good. And that obviously comes with Donald rush in the passer, right? Uh, Byron young, one of the biggest Byron young, talk about Byron young. That, yeah. Byron young is an athletic freak. He was, when I was asking, uh, folks around the league leading up to the combine. Yeah. Hey, who's uh who's one of the guys that you think could really blow this thing up? Byron Young's name came up several times. He is an absolute freak out of Tennessee and he's been a good player for them so far. They they can, you know, do some damage. They can generate some pressure with the pass rush. They've got a a solid secondary there. Um there might be some difficulty passing the ball for the Cowboys in this game. Yeah, I I think so too. And I you know, if you you look at the you mentioned the pass rush with Donald Young. I I really like him. They they have another uh they have you know they play like that three four front so they have guys that are like edges that really are rushers that are outside linebackers. Yep. This Michael Hoyt is one that that to me I he it Young leads the team in sacks. Mm-hmm. He's got three. And and then and then you look at the and you look at the others, you know, with with what with with Donald, he's got two and a half. And then this Hoyt Hoyt gave Pittsburgh all he can, all they can handle mm-hmm. the other day watching him play, you know. And he's one of these guys that's like he's kind of a long, rangy guy, but he's carrying three hundred and ten pounds, so he's kind of like listed as an outside linebacker. But he plays as a as an edge. Yeah. So you know he was great against the Steelers. He forced a fumble. He had two sacks. I mean, he might not be the most athletic edge, but he just never gives up on a play. And they asked him to drop into coverage a couple, and he just that was that's just not his game. No, no, he has. Now that's the that was one of the things that I did notice. I, I mean, it's yeah. not something that I would routinely no, ask I, him to, but, but he has had to drop in coverage a few times, and he's yeah. been bad in coverage yeah. that, that has and, not been good that has but, not been you know, good they, they do have some they do have some athletes there who can you know we already talked about young there's yeah. donald there's what the, the other guy there that and he doesn't play a ton but he's definitely in the rotation but a guy that i remember 
studying at AM and saw the athleticism. And I think you can still see it now. Bobby Brown's not a bad player. I don't no, think. I think he's a good player. Not and so all. they've they've got some guys in the defensive front. I know you're excited about the corners. Um and, and not all of them at all times. I mean Kobe Durant, I don't I, I, I think, think the nickel. I don't like the nickel. I, Durant, I, I yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Witherspoon and Kendrick I think are good. And mm-hmm. it's it's really 50-50 throwing the ball against them. Uh, you know, and they play so much damn zone. You know, you would think that like, oh, Dak usually eats zone up. We go back to the Jets game, you know, and how much zone they played in that game. He just completely ate the Jets. And the Jets had two pretty good corners in that game. Yeah. But the the Witherspoon and Kendrick, I think Kendrick in Georgia was like a man corner in college. And he looks like he's adapted pretty much to how much zone he's having to play. So I, I, I just, I would be careful. But Colby, uh, Kobe Durant is the nickel. And he's a slight built guy. And I mean, slight, kind of thin, smallish. Yep. Super quick, super quick feet. But teams have had some success throwing the ball against him. So I wonder is it going to be Cooks? Is it going to be Lamb? You know, if you really don't want to mess with the outside, maybe the inside is the way to go on some of these plays until they kind of, you know, figure out what they need to do on the outside. Did you think at all, and I agree, I think Witherspoon and Kendrick are both uh, have been really solid for them. Mm-hmm. Did you think with Witherspoon at all, did you see anything? Because I think the, the one of the ways you might be able to take advantage of some vulnerability here is that if you can get him to turn his hips one way, you're trying to go back there. I think it's hard for him to flip the other direction. And, and yeah. he, there's he, some he, stiffness there at times, it looks like. Yeah, he, you know, but the thing about him, man, I mean, he... He's, he's got, big. He's a big he's corner. Big, yeah. The the height, the length. I think he's got some speed to him, and I think he's kind of a patient player. I think he's got a kind of a balance of being patient, but being a little bit aggressive is when he. I, needs th- I think to he's be. got some good straight line speed. It's more of the change yeah. of direction stuff. I don't think yeah. is always so fluid well, with him. I, Kendrick Kendrick is the better athlete of the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just I think if you if you want to do something, if you tried to run a a sluggo or you tried to do some stuff where it's just you know, okay, sluggo again, st- yeah. yeah, you stem him outside, you come back in, whatever. Yeah. I think you might be able to get some separation there, but I do think that Witherspoon and Kendrick both good players. Yeah, if you if you can get Durant in the nickel on CD Lamb, that's something that you might be able to take advantage of. And then real quick though, uh, Ernest Jones I think is the best linebacker they have. He leads the team in tackles, uh, kind of a sideline to sideline guy when you watch him. Uh, he, see, he sees everything well. He sees he things he, quick. He's really good with his hands. He can be physical. And, you know, when they start to talk about push, pull a guy and to shed blockers, he he's that type of guy. Absolutely. All right, so quick pick for the game for you, Brian. Who do you have in this one? Yeah, uh, I took Dallas in this one 28-20 is what I I, I feel like that maybe uh, – I think it's going to be – maybe it'll even be closer than that. It might be a three-point game, but I kind of feel like Dallas – Dallas plays very well at home, early game for the Rams. Uh, the Rams shouldn't have lost to the Steelers last week, but they did. Dallas is kind of the fresher team right now. I, I hope they don't come out flat. 28-20 Dallas over the Rams. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Dallas, like you mentioned at home, um, Dak Prescott at home with the Cowboys. A, they don't lose very often. B, they score a lot typically yeah. when they're at home. Um, and so even though I think that there are going to be some challenges at times for the secondary, I think the Cowboys are going to be able to get some things going. Now, obviously, it matters 
if Tyron Smith's going to be in there versus Adoga. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you look at what Matthew Stafford and the receivers might be able to do, but I'm going to take Dallas in this one. I got Dallas 27-24. Uh, uh, so there you go. You guys can keep receipts on us to see if uh, we're yeah. dumb or not. So mm-hmm. you are listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag, which we had some left over from the last time. So uh, I wanted to make sure we fit in some of those. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, lead off with old Dean Julia, because it's <laughs> been a few weeks since we took one from Dean. Uh, what is your confidence level at the Cowboys fixing the running game coming out of the bye? One out of 10 or one to 10? Six. A six. Now, what's interesting is they did get back Jeff Blasco, who's been on medical yeah. leave this whole time. Uh, that's their running well, back. Unless he, unless he can get pushed at the point of attack, I don't know if that will help them very much. No, maybe not, but Blasco's, this, Blasco's input might matter in terms of well, how they're running the ball. Okay, this is, what, this is what scares me. Mm-hmm. This is what scares me. If they don't do a good job of blocking this Rams front, and they, they might not. That's not going to help my confidence all being able to block the Eagles next week. You know, you you better there when you go back and watch the all 22, which we all have, you watch and see point of attack tight ends, pullers, they got penetration, they had guys got stuffed, they didn't do a very good job of getting movement. Uh, we interviewed Zach Martin on Thursday for his normal time on 1053, the fan on the G Bag Nation. You know, he was talking about some of the things that they needed to improve on, uh, you know, with their techniques and, you know, coming off the ball and getting together and making things happen up front. If they and, – and you can't – the bye week can't help them because you don't practice. You know, you don't practice. These players come in. They played the game on Monday night. They got – you know, they got the game put to bed, and then they got off. The yeah. coaches can now figure out, well, run game-wise, we can do this differently or we can do this, but they don't get to work on. There's no time and task. And especially what if, you know, what if Tyron Smith doesn't play this week? Well, Adoga wasn't terrible. You know, we saw what Adoga can do. I do prefer him. I I do prefer him on the inside personally, but I do too, but that's not going to happen. We know damn good. Well, it's not going to happen, but if they, if they go out there against the Rams and can't block and can't run the ball with some effectiveness, I'm not asking him to be, uh, you know, the best team in the league running the football. But if Tony Pollard has trouble and, you know, Rico Dattle has trouble finding holes, my confidence level for what's going to happen in Philadelphia is not going to improve. Yeah, and and I think overall, I think it's fair to say run game confidence is about a five, which is just yeah. average. I don't know what to expect, honestly. We'll see what kind of tweaks we get out of the Cowboys in the second half. And, and look, I mean, as it stands now, Tony Pollard, he's under four yards of carry. Uh, and 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 I mean the the run blocking has not been solid. They tried to pull guys, Bobby. They tried to pull guards and tackles and tight ends and down block, and they 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 could not do anything against the Chargers. They really couldn't, and it it's been a kind of an ongoing problem for them. Uh, next question here from Garrett. I feel like this team is staring nine to ten wins dead in the face. Does mm-hmm. that get us in the playoffs? With a, with seventeen games now, I think you absolutely have to win ten. With 16 games, I think you can win nine and find a way. You've got a stretch coming up, I believe, where you got all these games at home. Yeah, you and, got like and, three or three out of four, something yeah, like that. But you got it. I believe it's, I believe I'm writing this down right. Rams, Philly, and then it's Giants, 
Carolina, and I so, want to say Commanders. Yeah, so Rams, Giants, and Commanders would be at home. So those are alternating yeah. weeks, basically. Yeah, yeah. So to me, you know, you four and one, okay, that would make you, you know, eight and three right now. And then that would put you into that stretch where you're, you know, you know, you're going to Buffalo, Miami, Miami, who knows? Yeah. Detroit, Seattle, you know, you got a, you got a Philadelphia again, you're going to have another commander game in there. You know, you better find a way. Uh, 10 wins is 10 wins is, I I think this is probably as least as you can, you could go because there's going to be some teams. I mean, all of a sudden you've got, You've got some teams that are kind of finding their way back now. Minnesota is kind of finding their way back. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to get caught in a situation. You know, you lose to Philadelphia twice, you're probably not going to win the division. So you're now you're now you're now you're looking at the other, you know, now you're looking at okay, who are we battling for for seeds, what, five, six, seven? Yeah, that- you're looking at Seattle. Yeah. Um you know, you you'd probably Detroit's look- probably going to win. So you're looking at anybody that's in second place right now in the division. That's kind of what you're looking at. Tampa right? or Atlanta, yeah. one of those teams yeah. that that's there. So yeah, uh, it, ten wins gets you there. Nine, maybe, probably. Not, not. I don't think nine does with seventeen. Probably really not. Do. Probably not. Yeah. But I mean, it is seven teams make the playoffs now. So you've got you know three wild card teams essentially. Well then, and and, and the if South you go is nine, really, South and North are really thin right now. You go nine wins, you're probably the sixth seed. Right? I'll tell you or what, the, if you lose last to, seed, if you lose to right? this Rams team and the Rams get to four and four, well, now you're looking at them being right there with you too. In, yeah, because that makes you four and three, and them so, four and four. You're yeah. Right. So, uh, question from Thomas here: uh, We hated a lot of Kellen's offense, but somehow it kept lighting up <laughs> the scoreboard. What was so successful about it? And are there things we might see Mike do to get the current offense cooking a little more, like we saw in OTAs? I will say, if you want to talk about things that are missing that I think the Cowboys did well in Kellen's scheme that are not present in Mike's. Now, look, a a lot of the route concepts are completely different, but two specific things they used to do really well under Kellen, they did love the option routes. I know people thought that was like all mistakes. As Dak has said before, you guys don't know all the times they hit. You just, you know the times they don't, but there are plenty of times where they hit where that was what was designed in there. So I think the option routes were a big thing. And then the other thing that they used to hit a lot, Brian, I felt like specifically with CeeDee Lamb, those deep crossers. Those yeah. deep over routes and stuff like that you do, those really don't exist in McCarthy's offense right now. Um, and so I think how those about are running things. the football. Well, I mean, look, you you can add that to honestly. How about just anything to do with offense? Kellen did it better yeah. than Mike Brian. I, I, you know, right now, <laughs> Bobby, we talked about this this summer that the turnover of the coaching staff could be a big difference on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I think I think it's playing out. You mentioned Jeff Blasco being back. You know, you mentioned him coming back. But, you know, that was a change. That was assistant offensive line coach is now the running back coach. You know, yeah. a lot of changes. Offensive line coach, quarterback coach, play caller, offensive coordinator. You know, there's probably oh, – yeah. it was, it was going to be probably a big lucky di- they're not they're not three and three right now playing in this thing. It was going to be a big difference in either direction. Either it was going to be a big positive impact or a big negative impact. And right now you'd have to say at least – when you look at the offensive line and the passing game, it's been a negative impact to this point. Yep. Um, but I do think that the the San Diego, the San Diego, the Los Angeles game, the I think the concepts look different. There was more comfort for Dak. I think those things 
there were promising aspects there that I hope that when they've self-scouted carried you in that game, I would hope I think that da- I think that yeah. carried you in that game, but, but because you couldn't run the ball, you, you know, you had receivers dropping it on the outside. I mean, he, he carried Gallup? you, he carried you, but I think also it was because he was within con like there were some concepts there mm-hmm. that felt familiar and comfortable to him. So he was mm-hmm. able to do that. So yeah. I do think that I hope nope. they spent the two weeks self-scouting and said, let's try and, emphasize more of this and and get more of this no running game you know i mean come on i mean no running game no real you know offensive line wasn't very good i mean those are things that you kind of always expect and Dak kind of fought through all that and got you a win absolutely that does it for us here today on the love of the star podcast again we have the rams coming up this weekend there's a trade deadline jerry's gonna talk on friday uh, and then next week, of course, is Eagles week. Uh, just a lot going on uh, in the world of the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how different things look coming out of the break, uh, coming out of this bye week, seeing uh, what sort of changes the Cowboys made on offense, defense, and everything else. Uh, for Brian Broaddus, I am Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again later.